Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of Fan Fuel, the podcast where Fans Fuel talks about motorsport. Today, it's a focus on the good old days. We're going to be talking about the upcoming throwback weekend at Darlington and also the good old days of being a kid and, and writing down a fantasy schedule for your favorite motorsports. Or, uh, But before we get into all that, as always, we're going to review this past weekend's events. Now, there were three open-wheel races this weekend that we won't really touch too much on. That was the race in Formula One in Portugal, which was a pretty good race. And then two Texas IndyCar races that I don't think anyone has the time to get into. However, what we do have time to get into is the racing for NASCAR. The trucks had a pretty decent race, kind of a caution fest at the end, and Kyle Busch came and won. Uh, and then the next day we have the classiest name of a race ever with the Bushy McBush Race 400. And Colton, what did you think about that race on Sunday? Yeah, it was a decent race for the 550 horsepower package. Um, I'm not a huge fan of, of Kansas on this package, to be honest with you. Um, I can see why some fans like it, but I myself am not a fan. Um, we did have some really good restarts there, and by good, I just mean three wide. It seemed like Larson was the dominant car all day and kind of got hung up at the air there at the end on the last couple restarts. Um, KFB was kind of able to hold him off there. I am really upset at Kyle Larson damn near dumping Ryan Blaney on that final restart. I was so irritated. I was rooting so hard for Blaney to come in there and take one. Um, so a little upset at that. But overall, it wasn't a terrible race. And Nate Hamlin had some issues too, didn't he? Yeah. Um, first off, Denny himself is listening. This is not meant to be offensive. The last two weeks have definitely been kind of a struggle. It's almost like going back to making rookie mistakes because obviously you saw at the end of that race with him and Larson, there was no way he was going to hold off Larson. Yeah, he just grows it in the fence anyways, which he had an easy top team call or something, really. I don't see the point in overcompensating when you know that you're probably not going to win a race. So whatever it is with him lately, he just needs to take a chill pill. And um, other than our drivers, I think we have um, something else that was worth addressing. It's a tire. Yeah, Nate, I think what you're alluding to is something that we've all kind of seen as a controversy since it's happened on Sunday, um, and that is that NASCAR threw a caution for a tire that was right outside of pit road. And, man, that would normally be a commendable thing. It's a safety issue. The caution needs to be thrown out. And, you know, there's cars on pit road. Uh, you don't want anybody to hit it and it bounce into the, and the crew members or anything like that. But you know what NASCAR did? They waited until the pit cycle was over to throw the caution. Now, there is a multitude of reasons that this is wrong. But, I mean, first and foremost, if it's a safety issue, call it right then. If it's not a safety issue, you can run 30, 35 more laps to the end. It's, it's, it's literally a, the most black and white thing that you can have in NASCAR. This is not a judgment call situation. That tire is either a safety issue or it is not. And I'm sure, Nathan, I'm sure, Colton, you both can attest to this messed up some guys' races. We saw, like, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. staying out because they thought they were going to get a caution. And I'm going to bounce this back to you guys. What do you think? Because I'm enraged. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Wednesday. And that was the most horrible call I think I've ever seen NASCAR make. And they've done some pretty bad calls. Yeah, I'll agree fully with you because I think that at that point it was pretty clear that they they were trying to alter the outcome of the race. There was no really 
there was no real valid excuse for that waiting 10 laps after what they had described as a safety issue. Um, I think even though Colton and I kind of argued about which driver ruined our races more for us as fans, but you know, if it wasn't for that caution, then Kyle Larson probably wins by five seconds. I think that those kind of cautions that can completely change the complexion of a race should, they should at least be called fairly. They should not be called pretty much with a ball and strike call. Yeah, absolutely. I can think of, I don't know, at least half a dozen instances um, in the last 15 years where NASCAR has called that caution for a tire floating out there um, almost immediately within a lap or two. Um, for whatever reason, and the broadcasters even mentioned it, um, that they were going to wait until this whole pit cycle ran out. It's like they were sitting there with their finger hovering over the button just waiting for Busher to pit. I don't know if that was because he would have trapped a bunch of cars a lap down and they would have had to take a wave around and it would have been a whole mess. Um, or if they just wanted to manufacture some more drama and put their guys right back up front. Um, because let's be honest here, Chris, Chris Busher isn't going to make a whole bunch of headlines if he wins this race. That tire is. And so with the race playing out the way it did at the end, they can kind of push that tire off everyone's radar. The only reason I wasn't lighting up Twitter when this happened was because I was streaming the race off my phone and I didn't want to miss the end of it. Um, but man, I was so livid. I was screaming at the TV. I was I was furious at this. Right, and it's they right. ruin they ruin strategy. Yeah, as someone who's been doing officiating pretty much for half his life, on and off, like when I'm on the flag stand or I'm in in the booth doing race control, like. There are times where things on track happen, and I sit there and I wait for a car that's spun out to either show me that they're going to get going or that they're going to sit there and make me throw a caution. And that's stuff that's that's more of a safety issue because they're on track and stuff like that. And I'll say that I've waited. But these guys literally sat there and had – what felt like 15 laps of racing go on while green flag pit cycles were coming on. And this was a definitive safety issue. When I'm talking about this, these guys are in cars, they're on roll cages and there's going to be enough time for me to slow down the leaders as they come through before they hit another car. I, I don't understand any part about this call. And like I said, it's a pretty black and white thing. Either it's a safety issue or it's not. There's no cars coming down pit road after the green flag stops, so there's no way that a car's going to hit it. Why do you throw the caution in? And 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 that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I will. I will second everything you said. It's just it's inconsistent and it's just frustrating. Right, and this is the same series that we've sat there and watched throw cautions for guys getting out of the groove at Martinsville. So I don't know. It it wasn't a good look for the sport, and it definitely pissed me and a lot of other people off. So, moving on from some uh, really, I guess, negative stuff, uh, let's get into something that I think you, I, and everyone else that is a racing fan has at some point in their life done. I remember when I was a kid, I used to do this all the time, and that is make a custom personalized schedule that you want to see. Maybe you want to build your own racetrack to pull in. Maybe you want them to come to your local short track. Maybe you want to have you know, four different race series at, at your track at once, whatever. We've all done this, and I think it's a pretty cool discussion to have. So, Nathan, if you would lead us off, what is the dream schedule that you have come up with in the last couple of weeks? Well, first of all, I guess I can 
I can go over them all pretty quick just because they're very simple. Like it's, I focus more on evolution rather than revolution. Um, like for example, we'll start off with the NASCAR cup schedule. Um, a lot of the tracks with two dates, such as say Kansas or Vegas, that they're great tracks, but I think that if we can whittle those down to one date and put in places like say Montreal or Mexico city, because of Daniel Suarez, I think those are great additions to the schedule. They're entertaining tracks. I think they suit the new car very well. And I would also add Gateway because you can never really go wrong with a short track on Saturday night, even though it isn't technically a short track. It just races like one. And then while I'm at it, I'll probably also put the Firecracker 400 back on the 4th of July because it's better for everyone that way. So... And one last thing that I think everyone's going to love is making the finale homestead again, because I have not seen a fan that doesn't want the finale homestead. So with that being said, my schedule is very similar to what it is now. There's just a few tweaks and a few new tracks. Same goes for IndyCar. I would keep all the road and street circuits and just add maybe two or three more ovals, such as, say, Michigan, Fontana would be nice, but it's going to be reconfigured in 2022. And then the final oval for me would probably be a track like Kansas because I think IndyCar hasn't really raced on a tri-oval in quite a while. So that would be unique. I'd hope no back too. And I think IndyCar would have everything that's missing. And same goes for F1, where I'm not a big fan of the street circuits with the 90-degree corners and no flow, so I would... Russia would probably be the first cut for me. I would cut Russia, bring back Malaysia, and then I would cut Saudi Arabia. And in Saudi Arabia's place, I'm putting back a German Grand Prix every year that alternates between the Nürburgring or Hockenheim. And then after that axe, I think we're pretty much done with F1. I think most of the other tracks put on a decent enough product to where they don't necessarily need to be cut from the schedule. I'm as simple as it gets. I think that I'm only focusing on the areas that really need fixing for all the series. With that being said about F1 and IndyCar sort of returning to more ovals and purpose-built circuits that are emphasizing the racing product, what would you say about NASCAR? Because I think that NASCAR schedule has more radical changes than anything else when it comes to Montreal, Mexico, and Gateway. So now let's move on to someone with some really radical changes, and that's Colton. Yeah. My my change. Um, I'm I'm also bringing the Brickyard 400 back and the moving day to the Fourth of July weekend. Um, if we must keep this terrible playoff format, um, I'm putting Road America as the first cutoff race um, with National Fairgrounds right before it. Um, I'm doing the Indy Road Course in the second cutoff, um, and then the Roval is the third cutoff. Um, I want a road course in each one of those rounds. Um, I also moved Sonoma to the West Coast Swing. Um, and then I'm not racing at any mile and a half more than one time. And I also included Chicago and Kentucky on that list, even though they're not on the schedule this year. Um, so that's kind of how I moved around. A lot of the dates are a lot of the same for what I would pick, um, just because of the weather aspect of it. Now, that's um, odd to me, Colton, because you don't seem to be one of the guys that like this move towards road courses. And you've got a road course as the finale to each one of these playoff rounds. Is there any particular reason that you did that or just for chaos? Mostly chaos, yeah. I don't have much road courses. 
Um, and I can post the full schedule online, but I don't have much road courses anywhere else. I do have Sonoma, I have Watkins Glen, um, and then I have Coda, but those are the only three within the first 26 races. Um, and then we're hitting another three in the, in the last 10 weeks there. Yeah. Um, just purely for the chaos factor. Um, and to try to get, to shake the field up a little bit. Yeah. And we'll, we'll post, uh, all of our, our schedules on, on the Twitter, just so that you guys can, can see and, and then we want you guys to show us, we you know, what would your uh, schedule be like? Just post a Google Doc or something uh, so that we can see it and, and we'll comment on it and, and we'll have a good discussion there. Uh, for me, I uh, do have multiple dates for a couple of 1.5 milers um, and I've I've not moved the Daytona race back to where it's supposed to be. Well, unlike you two guys. So I'm a fan of what they're doing. I think based on chaos itself, I I couldn't care about that tradition for the July 4th just based off. I thought that last year's Daytona night race was much more intense because of where it was on the schedule. So basically for me, I've got the removal of the all-star and the shootout to have a 38 race season and so daytona night would be the 28th race of the season as the cutoff i pretty much kept the same sort of schedule with the playoffs um it, first round would be darlington vegas bristol then it's talladega roval and the new auto club short track and then it's kansas phoenix martinsville and then homestead would return as the season finale um, homestead also would be a part of speed week and that would include Daytona and then Homestead before they go for the West Coast swing, um, which is only two races now in Vegas and Sonoma. So I've eliminated a, a date. For <laughs> I've got Nashville Super Speedway taking up uh, a spot early on the schedule because the new July 4th race is going to be a Saturday night 420 lap shootout at the Nashville Fairgrounds. I'm returning Chicagoland to the schedule. Pocono only has one race. Mid-Ohio comes in for its second date, and that's pretty much all the changes that I have, um, I'm including Iowa on the schedule as well. Um, so all of my short tracks still have two dates, and the Bristol Dirt Race is no more uh, for the Bristol Spring Race. You mentioned the All-Star Race. I didn't even bring that one up. I have the All-Star Race still there, but I have it at Bowman Gray. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you want to you wanna see what the Walmart of racetracks looks like? That's perfect. It's a gimmick anyway. Yeah, that's the yeah, people driving backwards. I don't know. That's gonna be crazy. Do that. I mean, can the new cars can they even turn on such short radius as we're about to find out? <laughs> that, that's yeah, it's like we're gonna we're gonna be like the real Bowman Gray race. We're gonna have local authorities here, we're gonna have people driving backwards into each other, fights in the infield. Yeah, that would be an incredible thing. And if they're paying a million dollars for that, we're going to also see the Open as well. So we're going to not see two crazy races. Um, yeah, they're not going to end well, are they? It's the same format that they're using now, except for the no green flag pit stops because we'd be at Bowman Grave, which I don't think has a right. pit road. And do these inverts um, – you know, during during the different segments, just to just talk, cause total chaos. That that Colton sounds like a really, really cool thing. Um, and now I like your change about the fairgrounds of Fourth of July. Um, I'm a Daytona purist, but that I mean, I I'd really be down for a fairground race on the Fourth of July. Well, I feel that's not a bad idea either. But I think the problem with me is that attendance for the July or the 
firepower 400 gets kind of tough when it's in the middle of August. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I like it being the, I guess, finale for this regular season because it's just that one extra, you know, throw it at the wall and hope it sticks kind of deal. So that's why I put the Nashville race there for the July 4th because when they had it for the uh, Indy race, it was not good. And then this year with Road America, I don't really see Wisconsin as the staple for, I guess, pride or anything. And being that Nashville is a country music hub and and that whole, you know, patriotic thing that comes with being a Southern boy, I, I just feel like it fits. I feel like it'd be a really good party. And then um, I would have three night races in a row right there. We would go from Nashville to Atlanta to Iowa. And Atlanta is going to keep it second date to have that night race because it's hot as balls in July. So I'm not looking forward to that race later this this year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's pretty similar to an older schedule with all these new twists. So I've still got, like, Coda and Road America on. Um, so it, I, I think it's fun to to look at something like this and – and, and see just how different all of us came up with. Um, and I know it's going to get a little bit more different as we go on with the episode. But I used to be a massive fan of IndyCar. And every year they seem to lose an oval. And so every time they do, I feel a little bit more distant as a fan. I mean, this year there's only three ovals and four races because they had that doubleheader at Texas. And, and so I wanted to change the IndyCar schedule more so than I would of having, you know, pride in my little NASCAR schedule that I had. Because I feel like their IndyCar series doesn't have enough races. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend the whole calendar to have 24 races. And I kind of balance this out with having eight ovals, six street courses, and ten road courses so they've got basically an almost even 8-8 split but you know i chose to have two more traditional road courses than not so the first things first we're going back to sonoma as the season finale uh they're going to open them up at saint pete like usual um and then the first edition is going to be sebring so they're going to be there either the week before or after the 12 hour then we'll hit long beach and then we're going to stay on the west coast and have our first oval in phoenix and then back to Barber, the Indy GP and the 500. And then IndyCar is going to go to New Hampshire. They're going to do Watkins Glen, the two races at Belle Isle, Road America, a 500-mile race again at Michigan for the second of the triple crown for the 500-milers. We'll go to Mid-Ohio, Toronto. The Milwaukee race is back. Uh, Nashville Street Circuit gateways back and the third of the triple crown at a 500 mile Pocono race, Portland, Laguna Seca, the Roval, and they will be racing Saturday night with the cup series. And then they will do Homestead prior to going back out West for the finale in Sonoma. So I feel like that's a good thing uh, for them to increase their schedule, to increase the variety of their schedule. They need to have ovals because that's where IndyCar was built. And I'm sad that we're down to three right now. But with the Roval being a NASCAR event, I would like to see these guys run with NASCAR more, whether that's with the Truck Series or that's with the Xfinity Series or the Cup Series. So with that being said, I'm sending the trucks to, to Toronto and 
Milwaukee is going to have an Xfinity return. And so we'll do stuff like that throughout the schedule. The first time at New Hampshire for NASCAR would be the trucks and IndyCar, and the second time would be Cup and Xfinity and stuff like that. So I think that the two the two series should work together and do something where they've got uh, a bunch of these kind of doubleheader events where NASCAR plays big man one week and the next week, you know, IndyCar would uh, play the big fiddle. So, I mean, what do you guys think about, I guess, my IndyCar schedule and crossover race weekends in general? I really like crossover weekends in general. Anything in that regard is a big plus for me, as you, everyone knows how I am, so it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, and, and I'm a fan of crossover weekends as well, just because when you go to your local short track, you don't go watch three different classes of late models race. You go see some legends, some open-wheel modified, some street stocks, then late models. You have a good mix in there, and so I feel like for race fans, that's more bang for your buck. Um, you're not just watching stock cars all weekend. Um, progressively get faster. You can see open-wheel cars, and it kind of opened more fans up to different aspects of racing. And I'm a huge fan of IndyCar on Ovals. Always have been, and I probably always will. So I really like those additions. Yeah, and I and I got to thinking about this basically because of what we've said on past episodes, uh, where I've I've been really into the Aussie Supercars uh, lately. Um, those guys bring stadium super trucks. They bring these little um, motorcycle engine cars called the Aussie Racing Car Series and. They're kind of like our Legends cars, but they're shaped like modern cars rather than uh, the 34 Ford Coupes. And they'll bring their version of Xfinity, which is the Dunlop series. They have their version of the trucks, which is the Super Utes. And there's always track. Um, there's always cars on track. And I feel like we could we could mesh North American motorsport together so that we could have that between IndyCar, Indy Lights, the three NASCAR series, ARCA. Um, Wheeling Modified Tour, the Pinties and Mexico Series, heck, even the Euro Series if we wanted to send IndyCar or NASCAR across the, the pond, um, stuff like that. And I feel like those guys get it um, as far as keeping the fans entertained all day rather than just let's have a race and that be it. So that's something that, that kind of got me into thinking the way that I did with especially this IndyCar schedule. Um and, and and to further drive this point down, my trucks and my Xfinity guys would be kind of splitting away from NAS, the NASCAR Cup Series, and they would be racing on tracks like Memphis like they used to, uh, where they would have a truck race on Friday, and Saturday night they'd have a Bush Series race, and then Cup would either be off or at another racetrack across the country because I feel like we've separated ourselves from so many markets by having those two series just follow the big series that we've actually reduced the amount that we can grow each year because new fans aren't accessible because those markets are just empty right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you completely. I think that the lower series definitely need to branch out um, more so the trucks and figure out, I think there's a little bit of self-awareness that needs to go on with the trucks not only do they need to be a little bit more self-aware, but NASCAR needs to understand that they're, they don't make the money that the cup and the Xfinity cars do. Um, you know, truck series owners constantly talk about having to really lose money to run these things. Um, and I know we mentioned it the first time I was on when we were talking about camping world sponsoring, whatever it was, eight, 10 trucks in one weekend, just to kind of save these trucks and save their field count. 
Um, They need to do something with the schedule to help the cost. Um, And at first I mentioned that they need to stop traveling to tracks outside of a thousand miles. Um, But the other thing that got brought up was they need to do something like the world outlaws does where they just pack up two trucks in a trailer and they go hop from track to track to track to track for a couple weeks, three, four weeks at a time, and then run back home, do what they need to load up again and go out. Um, This would save them. I mean, home crew costs. You wouldn't need guys sitting at home in the shop for four weeks. Um, You just bring a few guys with you on the road and get it done. Um, So I have compiled a 74 race truck schedule to where they do exactly that. They start up their season in Daytona, um, go back, fix the cars. And basically my schedule works out to where they'll hit a bunch of little tracks in between. And then as soon as they hit a big track, they're off for a few days, can go back home, kind of reset and go back out. Um, so I got them starting out with Daytona, another week off. Um, and then they're going to hit tracks all along that East coast down South. They're going to hit five flags. Um, they're going to hit Belushi County, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and then kind of go on from there and they'll somewhat follow the NASCAR schedule around. Um, but I've got these guys racing on Bowman Gray, Caraway, Colorado National Speedway, Columbia Speedway, Evergreen Speedway up in Washington, Greenville, Pickens, Hickory, uh, Langley, Lanier. Memphis, Motor Mile, Orange County, Oxford Plains, South Boston, Thompson, Tusa, Belotion County, um, any any decent-sized track you can think of around the country, Sling Speedway, Kern County, IRP, Anderson Speedway, um, to where these guys can go in. They can sell out a crowd. The trucks aren't going to sell out Bristol or Martinsville, um, but they can sure as hell sell out Colorado National Speedway. And that'd be a huge, huge thing for the locals to come see the truck series racing with these Grand Americans and these late models. Um, so I think they need to do something like that where they hit a big track. Um, another one I've got is they'll hit where I'm at here. They're going to hit Memphis. They're going to hit Orange County. Um, they're going to hit Columbia Speedway. And then they're going to go to Talladega and then take a week off. And then they're going to pick it right back up by going out to Indiana and racing at IRP, Anderson, and kind of working their way from there. Um, I, I can post this full schedule online. Like I said, it's 74 races. So it's it's massive, but it only encompasses 36 weeks, and that's even with these few weeks off in there just because I do have them racing on a Wednesday night and then a couple doubleheaders on Saturday nights, a Friday-Saturday show here and there. Um, but I think this would really amp up the popularity of the truck series to where even local guys can go build a truck and go out and race with them. You know, and then you'd have local names thrown in the ring as well to where you know if I go see him down at CNS, I'm rooting for Chris Eggleston. I'm rooting for Bruce Yaki. You know, as well as Tyler Ingram, Johnny Sauter, Matt Crafton. You know, I think that would be a huge amp to the truck series schedule that isn't just keeping it on these big mile and a half where we kind of get these young kids wadding up cars every week. Yeah, I definitely like that idea. Um, that being said, some of the truck mile and a half races are pretty crazy, but I think it's a worthy sacrifice if you're and, talking and they'd still making have the truck the, series accepted. mile and a half races, they'd still have them. It would just be a little bit more spread out. I mean, granted, we're, we're right. seeing two, three, four weeks off sometimes in the truck series schedule as it is now. I'm just filling it with as many little spots as I can. Yeah, well, there's a lot to unpack there, not just the 74 races uh, itself. But, I mean, let's look at it. You said it would matter to the local fans. And that's what's so cool about World of Outlaws, Lucas Oil, and all the other you know, local dirt racing um, stuff, the cars tour, stuff like that, is that – they're accessible to more people. So someone like you who lives in Cheyenne, Wyoming, 
is nowhere near a NASCAR venue that's going to run one of those three touring series. It's going to be much easier for you to go an hour and a half down the road to CNS and go watch a race than it is for you to get in the car and drive 24 hours to go to Talladega or drive, you know, 15 hours to go to, I don't know, Coda or wherever and not have to buy a plane ticket and not have to worry about hotels or anything like that. So not only do we have that, but you've got NASCAR having eyes on its sport and that's how you create new fans. So you've got those local short track guys saying, oh, well, this NASCAR racing is actually kind of good. Let me go watch it elsewhere. And we've also got the ability to put this on TV three or four nights a week and just keep the momentum from Sunday to Sunday. And I think that's a really cool thing that you've come up with just by having such an extensive schedule. Yeah, I think it's just a great idea to touch the grassroots part of racing because I know that all kind of stuff grassroots, but I think if, if you put an entire national touring series down, it'd be a lot better of an impact. Yeah, and Alex, you mentioned keeping the momentum rolling. Um, we even saw this year at the Bristol Dirt Race where we had some beef between John Hunter and Matt Crafton. Well, we had to wait two full weeks to kind of pick that storyline up again. Yeah. And even at that point, when we pick it up, even some of the hardcore fans like, wait, oh yeah, I forgot that happened. Well, could you imagine if they got into a tussle on Wednesday night and they were racing Friday night just 50, 100 miles down the road, all those fans that just watched that other race are going to go, oh, shit, they're racing right over here in a couple days. Let's go, you know, pack up the cooler. Let's go head over there. Let's go see what happens, you know, and especially we have the big, you know, NASCAR does the promotion of the short tracks, Tempers Flare. I couldn't imagine the kind of excitement that would get for a a week straight, two weeks straight of four, five, six races, um, nothing but beating and banging. You see these guys feuding it out. Granted, they've only got two trucks, so I don't know how many in my plan here, how much beating and banging they'll do, but it'd certainly be cool to really think about. Well, I think it would be easy for NASCAR to implement something. They still have steel bodies, um, which I think is kind of dumb, considering that they went to the Ilmore engine, and you know, fabrication takes a lot of money and a lot of time. Uh, something as simple as just putting the composite bodies on these trucks might make it more feasible to do this. And that would maybe make it a little bit more expensive for guys coming off the street to do it. But if we could find some way to make this like mash production and make these parts cheap and have these guys in local short tracks running a similar class to this or even the same exact platform, I mean, we could do stuff, something as, as even like some of those guys that you said that run at Colorado National that you watch um, could run for a quote-unquote regional series where NASCAR says, all right, these next 14 races are a championship. If you win the points, most points here, you get X amount of money, not to mention the fact that somebody's going to win the 74 race championship as well. And I think they would be able to get participation up. We could see stuff like heat races and last chance qualifiers. And, you know, the trucks started out racing 100, 150 lap races with a halfway break in between. So the feature events wouldn't have to be that long. I mean, heck, we're watching it on a Wednesday or a Monday or a Friday night anyway. So, I I mean, I I really like this idea. Yeah, and I kind of built that in, too. You mentioned the heat races. Um, I'd run them just like a Saturday night short track where you have the heat races Um, I think one of two things would happen. One, um, with the local guys, if this was implemented, you'd see teams only fielding a car. They wouldn't field the driver. They'd just go pick up some local guys and have them fill this week of the schedule and have another guy fill this week. 
Um, and then you'd also have – it would make it more competitive. Teams would want to be competitive more because you're not just locked into a show guaranteed a paycheck at some point. Like, we could see GMS cars finish 16th in the second heat, not even make the main show. Um, so I think that would be, I mean, overall just great for the sport if we could tie in the national series with the grassroots. Absolutely. And it sounds like something untapped that NASCAR has been missing out on since probably the early two thousands. Um, when, when the trucks in Xfinity were still going to places like Memphis and Myrtle beach and South Boston. Um, but I mean, Hey, this goes in the line with some other stuff we said. This would be perfect for a streaming service like Dirt on Dirt TV that we said we'd pay plenty of money for. And I think even Nathan being in college might might have to shell out some cash to be able to see racing every night. Yeah, I'd definitely consider it if they did that. Yeah, it'd be awesome. And, I mean, the K&N series sells out most local short tracks, so I couldn't imagine what the truck series would do. Yeah, and um, don't take this the wrong way. I mean – that series is not really very long or anything like that. And they're, Oh no. Oh no. It's not. So, so what if we just abolished that series and just consumed it with this truck series and had something like that? I mean, I mean the possibilities of this interest. Now I don't want to, I don't want to tear anyone's heart out because you know, you're a K and N or I should say Arca East and West series fan. But I mean, that's, that's a potential, too. I mean, there, there's endless possibilities with this, and I really appreciate you uh, bringing something like this, I guess, back up to what we've talked about earlier. Um, but, yeah, all in all, I think, you know, this is something that fans have done for quite some time. Some of us want to just keep in with tradition like Nathan. Some of us want to think outside of the box like you, Colton. Um, myself, I'm kind of like, let's take what we've got and do the best with what we can and make some diversity uh, because I don't want to watch the same race every week. Um, so with that being said, we're going to kind of take it back. Uh, you know, we we talk about this being something that every fan does and everybody can, can look back on and say, yeah, I've done that before. Uh, but we're going to take it back this weekend for the Darlington throwback as well. Um, so this is something that's been done since 2015 now. And it's usually done for the night race, for the Southern 500. But now that they've got the Mother's Day race, they wanted to do it again. So before we get into anything um, specific, are you guys as excited this year for the Darlington throwback as compared to other previous years when it was the Southern 500? Um, I'm always excited for the throwback weekend, so I'm never not going to be excited, but I do think you have a point. I definitely wish that it was the Southern because I think that's the race with tradition. The other races, the 400 miles are great, but I don't think that they have as much pull as the Southern 500. So I'm on the opposite end here. I think this is, this is fantastic. And I'm a huge fan of them running throwback weekend earlier in the year. Um, because of two reasons. One, you mentioned tradition um, at the Southern 500. I feel like the throwback weekend was, A, a huge talking point along with the Southern 500, um, and it was kind of taking away some of that lure. Um, and so the tradition, I'd like to see who was racing this year, not who had the best, you know, throwback during that race. And, you know, when I, when I think back to it, um, when I think of the Southern 500 in recent years, I kind of think of the throwbacks more than I do the race and the actual Southern 500. 
So I'm glad they're kind of separating this. And also with it being the first race of the playoffs, um, I see why they're doing it. There's just too many selling points to, to pack into one weekend. I like that they're spreading it out. And this gives it a full weekend to just focus on the throwbacks. Um, and then we get another full weekend come Labor Day to focus on the Southern 500 and the playoff picture. Um, so I'm, I'm a huge fan of this. Yeah, and I'll have to agree with a couple of points that uh, you guys made. I mean, separating it because the playoff race is whatever, um, I get that from a marketing standpoint. It's probably harder to sell a sponsor to not have their current logo or their logo's colors because we're throwing back to it. And also it being a playoff race, which is probably going to be a more expensive um, race to sponsor. So uh, kind of does make it easier for sponsors to want to participate. We've seen that because we have more throwbacks than usual, I feel like, this year. Um, and that might be because of the addition of the truck series. So they're going all out. Uh, Xfinity's going all out and Cup's going all out. And I feel like though there hasn't been as much buzz in the media for this race, the past few months, it feels like these past few days – has just been like Darlington, 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 and it is throwback weekend, and it feels more natural than it did in the past few years for me. With that being said, we're going to do a new segment this week, and this is going to be called Woke or Joke. We're going to start off with the Darlington throwbacks, and I'm going to bring up the throwback. You guys can see these throwbacks. Um, we'll have a link to a, a list of everything so that you can kind of play along. And... I'm going to ask the guys if they think the throwback's woke or if they think it's a joke, and they'll say a few words about it if they feel like they need to, and we'll just quickly move on through them all. We've got three whole series to do, uh, so we'll get to it quickly. But before we get to it, um, I'm not going to include any throwbacks that have already been done, so that eliminates from the trucks Timmy Hill, the Ray Sebastos throwback, the Stuart Friesen, Tim Richmond throwback, the Glenwood convertible throwback from Zane Smith, and Chandler Smith's safe flight throwback that he actually did last season. Um, the Xfinity throwbacks, Ryan Vargas, it was a much better ex execution than Ryan Newman's, but it's been done before. The Dale Jarrett Daytona 500 winning car from Ty Gibbs and Bailey Curry's Grey Ghost scheme have are not going to be in, in this worker joke segment. And then three from Cup are Chase Elliott, the Alan Kowicki one that's been done, Death Taxes, and an Alan Kowicki throwback at Darlington. Michael McDowell's Bill Elliott throwback, which actually has the correct colors compared to Chase Elliott running it in the 25 car. And then Tyler Reddick's Margie Robbins throwback. So those are all ones that have been done before. But other than that, let's go ahead and get started if you're ready, guys. Woke or joke, the number... Double zero Starcom Racing Chevrolet throwing back to John Andretti's RCA scheme. That is a hundred percent woke. That is that's a perfectly done scheme when it comes to the sponsors and the contingencies and the font and everything. So I see no way that that's a failure. Yeah, if you say joke in the scheme, I'm gonna have to block you on Twitter. This one is woke as hell. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say this is one of the more woke schemes. It, it is beautiful. It was executed well, and there's some cute little doggos on the back. What what else could you ask for? So moving on to the Richard Childress Racing number three, the Bass Pro Shops throwback to Fireball Roberts. I'm, I'm leaning towards Woke on this one. 
but I feel like the execution was okay. I'm I think it's alright. That's that's my that's my opinion. I'm not swayed either way. Um I'm gonna say woke just because it does have that kind of retro feel to it with the square number. Um the yeah, that's true. kind of design on it. Um I'm gonna say woke, but it's it like I'm with you, Nate. It's kinda on the line for me. Yeah, I think I'll go woke as well. This is a pretty bland scheme, like you guys are saying, but it does what it's supposed to do, and Bass Pro Shops got on board with their uh, throwback logos. So I think overall it's a it's a woke scheme for me. And then and up next is Kyle Larson's throwback to himself for his first ever go-kart. I think that the scheme itself isn't woke, but the story behind it is definitely woke. So I think that I'll lean on the woke side for this one just because it's very unique and it's kind of non-replicable. It's never going to be done again. I am going to be on the joke side. Um, I'm a believer. It's kind of like wearing your own racing t-shirt to the track. Um, If you are going to throw back to yourself, you better be a veteran driver who's been in the series for umpteen years. Um, The scheme, I think, looks fantastic, um, but I'm the opposite of Nate. I think it's him throwing back to himself in the go-kart days that kind of Eh, for me, you know, Larson's not even 30 yet. I don't know how he's going to throw back to himself 15 years ago, you know. So, joke for me. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Colton. You don't throw back to yourself when you're driving the most historic number at Hendrick Motorsports. Joke. Yeah, that's true. I never even thought about that. <laughs> Ryan Newman is throwing back to a SCCA National Championship scheme from 1976 with the Kohler Generators. Number six car. I'll lean I'll lean fifty fifty on this one as well. I don't want to call it a joke because I think that the fact that they're throwing back to something racing related is a plus, but it's not really it doesn't really have a story to it, so I think that it's fifty fifty. Yeah. Uh, I'm with there. Um I see I see the reasoning behind it. The scheme doesn't look terrible to me, so I, I'm right on the line. Um, I'd probably lean a little bit more towards joke, but I could be persuaded pretty easy either way. I'm just going to say joke myself because it doesn't really fit a stock car at all, and it's like they didn't even try to make it look like the the SCCA car. I mean, if you look at what's in the video that they unveiled it for, the two don't match me for me at all. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say a joke. So we'll we'll move on to – the Corey LaJoy number seven, Xerix. This is 100% woke. I think that the original sponsor being on that scheme is a huge plus. And the fact that the car literally comes from Alan Coyke's old shop. So you can't get much better than that. Yeah, um, this is 1,000% woke. The number matches perfectly. The paint matches perfectly. This is exactly what the car would look like if you took Alan's old car and put it on the next gen. Um, normally we get some like weird spacing or strange angles to it, but this one is perfect. And then Nate, you mentioned it's coming out of his old shop. This is, this is one of the best ones of the week. I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys and say, this is my favorite of these throwback paint schemes. So this is a hundred percent woke. I mean, like you guys have said, it's coming out of the Kowiki shop. It is 100% accurate other than the fact that it's not on a Ford. Um, and it's clean, it's simple, it gets the job done, and look at that, the sponsor is the exact same. How much do we get throwbacks that aren't Hooters that have the exact same 
sponsor. So this this is my favorite throwback, and this is 100% woke. From there, we're going to move on to the Eric Almarola throwback to Mark Martin's Bush car, and this was a flaming Winn-Dixie car, not to his normal uh, black and yellow scheme. I'm definitely going to go woke on this one just because I think it's one of those paint teams that not many people remember unless they were from that era. I don't remember myself as a younger person. So. It's definitely woke is in the fact that they got one of the original sponsors back on the car, the colors and everything matched. So I see nothing wrong with it. I see where they're going with it. I'm going to go joke just because I think they could have put a little bit more into the number font change. Um, oh, I do true. like the original yeah. sponsor. And, I mean, the paint does match for the most part, but I am going to go joke. Um, specifically because it seems like a lot of these teams don't put a whole lot into the font change. I'm just going to start off with joke because I cannot stand flames in any paint scheme. But also, Mark Martin is my favorite race car driver probably of all time. I was a Mark Martin fan until he retired. I chose Denny Hamlin to be my favorite when he said he was retiring at 2006 and I have watched every one of these Bush races. I have seen the Winn-Dixie cars, and I'm sitting here knowing damn well that my favorite Winn-Dixie car was the one where they had the checkered flag going down the side of the car and the yellow stripes on it, and they had their chance, but they blew it with this ugly, ugly car. Moving on from that, we'll go to my favorite driver now, and that's Denny Hamlin, and they took a fan vote for this one, and it Turned out that the Julius Slick Johnson car won. First of all, I'm, this is really tough for me. I think that the idea is very good, but I'm going to have to still go joke because Sport Clips doesn't seem very flexible. They didn't change their logo around, and they didn't change the number font. So those are two very big things that can affect the Yeah, this one's going to be a joke for me. Um, you mentioned Sports Clips. I think they're one of the least... Um, favorable to work with with uh throwback schemes um they don't like changing anything about their car um to fit the throwback um so because of the lack of effort on their part um i'm gonna go joke yeah and when we got when we get to your guys's favorite and worst just say that it's your favorite or worst um so that we don't have to add that as a segment um and kind of keep this thing rolling if you would um but okay yeah i, li- I like what we're doing right now this is fun yeah yeah, yeah I, I loved it to death, um, but I'm just going to have to go uh, joke. I mean, the 11 itself is not been changed to match this paint scheme. And then also they did the fan vote and they had the early 2010s era car with this like Star Blast paint scheme on there, which I thought would have been really badass for them to roll out. And so I'm going to say joke and it's on the fans for this one. Um, but next up is the number 12 of Ryan Blaney, who is throwing back to his super late model days. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to have to go joke on this one just because I think that it's, it's even earlier for him to throw back himself than it is for Kyle Larson. So that's the only reason we have. Yeah. I'm also going to go joke. Um, I don't think the car looks that clean. Um, maybe on a super late model it would. Um, but again, throwing back to yourself when, I mean, he's only like, what, 28 maybe? Um, It's way too early to throw back to yourself. 100% joke. Uh, I'm kind of on a teeter-totter here because I've said joke earlier to 
Kyle Larson because of him throwing back to himself. But I'm going to have to say woke. I really like this paint scheme, um, despite the fact that he's throwing back to himself, because I think it's it's one of the cleaner ones on there. And Advanced Auto Parts did really good to to let him do everything nearly exactly the same way as he did uh, when when he ran it in his super late model. Uh, moving on, though, the number 14 of Chase Briscoe will be throwing back to his favorite driver's favorite driver, A.J. Foyt. And uh, if you guys didn't know, Tony Stewart chose the number 14 when he went to, with, with Haas and, and made that Stewart-Haas team because of A.J. Foyt. So that is is kind of a double throwback if you think about it. This is 100% woke for me. It's one of my favorites, actually, here, just because it's got a cool story behind it. It's a cool paint scheme. Even the helmet's a throwback, too. So I really – the only thing I wish is that High Point would have changed their logo, but I can I can excuse it. Yeah, this one's woke for sure. This is one of the better ones of the weekend. Um, my favorite number is 14, and so I'm usually on board with anything the 14 car does. 100% woke. Car looks great. Love the AJ Foyt throwback. Absolutely woke. What's not to like about AJ Foyt? Um, that man is a total badass, and to throw back to him in a car from one of his biggest fans that Tony Stewart owns, you know, this is just this is awesome, and it's all Hoosier all the time with those three. So it's it's just really cool. Hundred uh, percent woke. Uh, now the fifteen car of James Davison is throwing back to Dick Johnson, who is a fellow Australian that raced V8 supercars. And apparently, something I didn't know is that Will Davison, who races in the supercar series, is James Davison's cousin and drives for Dick Johnson Racing. So this is a scheme based off of another Australian motorsports driver. I like it. I'm going to go woke just because that the fact that Johnson himself made a couple Cup Series starts, um, and he's a he's a racing icon. If you don't know who he is, so I don't see I don't see a single flaw in it. To be honest with you, this one's woke. This is really well done. Um, I like the story behind it. I like the font change. Um, the car is really similar in terms of the lines and the colors. Um, I'm going to go woke on this one. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with both of you guys. This is woke. I love supercars. I stated it earlier in the in the show. Um, Dick Johnson Racing uh, was affiliated with Team Penske there for a while before uh, Roger Penske dropped out and stole Scott McLaughlin. Uh, but, yeah, it's really cool uh, that I just now learned that James and Will Davidson are cousins. Um, so, I mean, the story behind it and um, me just – Having a today I learned moment, um, I'm, I'm going to have to go 100% woke. Now we'll get to Kyle Bush's number 18 throwback. And this seems to be a throwback to his car from about five years ago, celebrating the 75th anniversary of M&M's at the All-Star Race. This is a complete joke for me. One of the biggest jokes, actually, because first of all, the paint scheme doesn't really throw back to anything meaningful. Second of all, it doesn't even it's not even resembling a race car. And third of all, it's every Joe Gibbs affiliated car is not changing. So it's a complete failure across the board. Yeah, this one's thousand percent joke. 
Um, I don't know how you're going to throw back to a car that's only five years old, let alone a car that you just kind of made up and said, oh, it's the anniversary of. Um, 100%, 100% joke on this one. Yeah, this is a joke to me too because the car that they're sp- supposedly throwing back to is the number 75 car that he ran in the All-Star Race a few years ago celebrating 75 years of M&M's. And it doesn't have the 75 on it, and it doesn't have the M&M's at the bottom, and there's nothing going on right there. And M&M's has been in the sport so long that there is no excuse to not have a better throwback. They did the throwback to the Skittles car with Ernie Irvin. They did the throwback to the M&M's car with um, Elliot Sadler. They haven't had one for Ken Schrader, so that will change the number font. And Ken Schrader ran so many different M&M's cars. They could throw back heck, they could throw back to a Kyle Bush throwback and still be better than this um, for his early years at Gibbs. I mean, everything about this is just a joke to me. And his teammate, Martin Trex Jr., in the number 19 Matt Black car with some blue lettering from auto owners. Joke. 100% joke. Another just a joke is racing across the board. It's not that newer throwbacks. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, this one's a joke. Um, I thought Kyle Busch's was the worst until I saw Truex's and kind of read why they were doing it. Um, 100% joke. I don't even know what the fuck they're throwing back to here. I, I don't know. Um, Joe Gibbs had been on point the past few years with throwbacks, but this year, I mean, it's joke after joke after joke. And uh, Truex is kind of just going along with that. It's a matte black car. What are they throwing back to? All right, Joey Logano's throwback. For Tim Penske, he'll be running the shell throwback to Mario Andretti. Oh, man, this is a tough one for me. I don't want to call it a joke just because I like Mario Andretti. He needs a lot more recognition in the sport, particularly NASCAR. But then again, it also is a throwback to a Ferrari. So I'll give it a woke by a small margin just because it was a weird idea and they somehow managed to execute it well. Yeah, I'm going to say woke just because of the idea. Um, I think the execution could have been a lot better with this. Yeah, I'm going to have to to just lay over the other side of the fence and say joke. Um, I love the idea. I love Mario Andretti. But come on, guys. All you had to do was change the number font of that 22, and this would be one of, if not the best-looking paint schemes at Darlington this weekend. Joke. Now, here we go. With the Bubba Wallace throwback, Brute Insurance to tribute Wendell Scott. I'm going to go joke on this one just because I think that if you look at the throwback he ran to Wendell Scott Truck Series, it had the font and everything and it was all accurate. Whereas this one, the number font isn't really changed. And it's such a simple scheme that the number makes or breaks the scheme. So it has to go joke. Yeah, I'm joke mainly for the font as well. Um, when you're dealing with a simple scheme like this, um, the number is probably the biggest thing outside of if you completely butcher the color. Um, and it doesn't even look like they tried with the number font. So joke, 100% all the way. Yeah, we'll go, for me, joke. And that's definitive. I think this is the worst of the throwbacks this year, period. I can get over some of the other ones, but I cannot get over this one. I love Bubble Wallace and... I love 2311 racing, but come on, man. When he ran the throwback at Martinsville, they changed the number 
to 34 and then change the font. Obviously, Michael McDowell's on track, so you can't change the number to 34. But you could at least make the two and the three the same font with the same drop shadow that you had at Martinsville. The white top is missing from that throwback. And I realize it's not the exact same card that they're throwing back to, but literally all they went into is Microsoft Paint and just used the eyedropper tool to put the blue on there and then a little bit of root insurance is um, orange around the number. And that's it. No skill taken, and they just took the easy way out, and I think it's a joke. Moving on from that, we'll go to the William Byron number 24. Uh, Valvoline throwback. This is throwing back to the number 75 of Neil Bonnet, who would have been turning 75 this year had we not lost him in a practice crash at Daytona. This is definitely woke for me. It's a Valvoline paint scheme. They've always historically been some of, if not my favorite, paint schemes. And the fact that it was well executed on top of all that, it's an easy woke for me. Yeah, this one's woke. This is excellent execution on uh, Hendrick's part there. Um, great scheme. I love Neil Bonnet myself. Um, I love the number change on it. Um, the lines were um, – let me point out here. Hendrick posted the wrong photo. Yeah, they did. Throwback. And that's what kind of bugged me at first, but then I saw the car they're throwing back to, and it looks it looks damn near perfect. 100% woke. Yeah, I'm going to have to say 100% woke, too. This is probably one of the sexiest race cars that's ever been on track. And Hendrick did that again with William Byron's car. I love the fact that they changed the number font, and despite the 7 and the 5 having nothing to do with the 2 and the 4, it reminds me a lot of that 75 but, oh, my God, this is – Valvoline never ceases to amaze me with their throwbacks. Moving on, though, we're going to look at the number 37 Velveeta cheese scheme from Ryan Priest. Yeah, this is definitely woke for me. This is actually the first time I'm seeing it. The first time seeing it. And this is ten times better than the other throwback we'll get to in the JTG. So I, I think it's a nice one. I'm on the fence. I'm leaning towards joke. Um, the colors and the, the graphic on it was good execution. The number font could have been changed. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I can, I'll go back and change it now. It's a joke. Okay. Yeah, I'm on the fence here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean more towards joke just because I feel like this is a scheme they would have ran anyway and just so happened to have to be a throwback to something. Yeah, I'm kind of kind of piggyback off of you there, Colton. I think this is a joke, but not because of the similar things that you're saying. But if you look at that, um, Trent Owens card that they're throwing back to. Um, it's got flames on it. Uh, what did I say earlier? I hate flames. Um, no offense to Trent Owens, but um, they didn't put flames on the new car. They put cheese on the new car. So it's got cheese splatter instead of flames. So it's not really a throwback to me. It's just kind of like you said, something they probably would have ran without it being a throwback race because they've got cheese strands on it instead of flames. So, joke. Moving on from there, we've got Alan Kowicki's 1985 Hardy's paint scheme on the number 38 of Anthony Alfredo. This is without a doubt woke. It's definitely one of the more underrated throwbacks just because the number fonts changed. The number is the same. The sponsor logo even changed their logo. So, this is, this is a slam dunk. This is 1,000% woke. I love how they changed the size of the number on the roof to match the old one, how it fills up the entire roof. 
Um, the sponsor changed their font for it. The number changed. Um, the lines are all in a perfect spot on the car. This is one of the best ones of the weekend. It's probably not my favorite, but it's definitely up there. Yeah, this is 100% woke. This uh, puts me in the same vein as the uh, Go Fast Motorsports number 32 throwback to Dale Jarrett a couple years ago. I mean, both those cars look the exact same as both these cars do. I mean, if you look at the the promo for this car and you look these two cars side by side, you just think that they'd had the same scheme the whole time and uh, the car just got newer. Um uh, so, I mean, perfect execution. Guys that are graphic designers for other teams, please take notes because this is how you do a throwback. Moving on, we've got a um, not-so-throwback to um, Mother's Day, uh, but this is for Margaret Haas, um, who is Gene Haas's mother uh, with Cole Custer's number 41. Um, I don't really have much else to say other than that's a joke. I don't even, I, I, I know the meaning behind it, but it's just, it's, it, it's not a throwback. It's a, it's not even a throwback to a car. I'm going to say woke just because it's Mother's Day weekend. He's throwing back to his own mom. I don't know that you can call it a throwback. Um, any other weekend, this would be one of the best ones on the track. I'm still going to go with right. woke just because of the message behind it. I really like it. Yeah, and I'm going to have to piggyback off of Colton yet again. Like, I think this is woke based off of what it is, but it's definitely not a throwback. I do think it's pretty awesome to be um, doing this as a tribute to someone um, who is very special and on Mother's Day. So I'll say woke, even though it's disappointing that we didn't get an actual throwback from the 41 car. Moving on to another throwback from... A Chevy driver, this is Ross Sastain and McDonald staying on for the McDonald's sponsor of Jimmy Spitzer's number 27 car from 1993. Uh, without a doubt, this is a woke piece. It's just the font teams, the sponsor, you name it. Even the retro McDonald's racing logo looks pretty cool. So uh, this is an absolute win for me. Yeah, absolute woke. The font was perfect. Um, the sponsor placement and the font of McDonald's was even changed a little bit. This one's 100% woke. This car is damn near perfect to what it was back in 1993. Yeah, consensus is across the board, this is woke. The only thing that I would have liked to seen was that square and the iconic drop shadow from the 90s on that uh, Golden Arches logo up on the hood, but I understand that their brand identity is left from that and, and that's not something they wanted to do. One of the better ones out there, and Chip Ganassi posted this on one of the next-gen models um, just uh, to show, and I believe they might be running it uh, tonight in the Pro Invitational Race. And, and i got to say, it looked damn good on a next-gen car, too. Moving on, though, we've got the 43 of Eric Jones throwing back to John Andretti in his Martinsville 1999 winner's car. Woke. It's amazing execution because the same sponsor, same team, same number, and the fact that it's pretty cool meaning behind it with the Martinsville William John Andrew and all that. I think that there's no way that I can point out any sort of flaw with it. Yeah, this one's almost perfectly woke. Um, the colors match up perfect. The scheme matches up perfect. And then we lost John Andrew this last year. Um, 
I would be hard-pressed to find anyone who thinks this one's a joke. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. This one is woke. I love that they put the STP uh, logo under the 43 like they used to back in the day. That makes me happy because the, the roof number is different than the side numbers. Um, and this is the only car that I will ever say the Petty Swoosh looks good, good on. Now we get to the other JTD Doherty car, and that's the 47 of Ricky Stenthouse Jr. throwing back to the Ricky Craven 32 tie ride. Oh, my gosh. Where do I even begin? This is the biggest joke in the history of NASCAR. The fact that they even thought that this was throwing back to a piece to the Ricky Craven team, that's that's almost an insult to Craven more than it is a throwback in itself. No font changed. The, it, half, like two-thirds of the car is blue, so that's already screwed from the game. There's one quarter panel logo that's not even accurate to the old quarter panel. So there's not a single part of this car that remotely resembles Ricky Craven's turn. It is just a complete embarrassment. And the Twitter comments and posts can back me up on this. It was so bad that JTG shut down their Instagram comments. That that should tell you right there. Yeah, this one's a joke. I do want to kind of add some padding to it. Um, Kroger probably wasn't going to let him make an entire orange car out of the 47. Um, but this one's still... 100% joke. I mean, out of all the blue cars they could have done, um, they had to throw it back to this one. It was an orange car to begin with. Uh, this one's a joke. Yeah, I don't even have anything to say. This is just a joke. That's just another paint scheme, and it's not even a good paint scheme at that. I mean, who puts the Microsoft Paint gradient on a race car? Uh, whoever works at JTD Doherty um, in the design department does. And honestly, they should be fired. I don't care if an executive said that this is what they wanted. That's not what anyone needed, and they've just been made fun of it for it. So it's backfired on them. Now, how about the number 48 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet, sponsored by Ally, who seems to go all out all the time? They have recreated crew chief Greg Ives' number 31 late model for the Ally 48 this weekend. I'll go woke on this one. I'm not like a big proponent of the paint scheme itself in terms of looks, but the meaning behind it is cool, so woke. I'm going to go joke. I'm on the fence, but I'm definitely leaning towards joke. Um, again, back to the throwing back to yourself. Greg Ives isn't retiring, nor has he been around the sport for 25 years. Um, well, he has, but not as a crew chief. Um, I'm not a huge fan of people throwing back to super late models, especially super local ones like this. Um, granted, you know, if it becomes more of a national thing, I can at least get it, you know, like the Richie Evans modified. Um, but this one's, this one's going to be a joke for me. The car looks good. I, I'm not a huge fan of them throwing back to his super late model. Uh, for me, it's a joke and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when, when they brought it up on the Joe junior download, they said that, uh, he didn't even race this car that much. This wasn't his main paint scheme for his late model. So I just think. Uh, they tried, and they succeeded at making something that looked beautiful, but all in all, it, it was just not ever something that should have been meant to be. Um, especially with the 48, you've got plenty of stuff to throw back to to Jimmy Johnson, and even if you don't want to do that, I don't know. Maybe they could have done something similar with an older-style older throwback to like Elmo Langley or Tiny Lund or something. Um, I, I don't know. There, there's plenty of other avenues that Ally could have went, and um, – and they did. Uh, moving on, though, we've got Josh Balicki 
and he will be throwing back to a uh, Lenny Pond Burger King. That's definitely woke. The logo change, font change, numbers pretty close, and the colors are on point. So I think this is another one that highlights how good throwbacks can be. This is a woke for me only because of the contingency decals. Um, the number is close, but it's not the same. Um, I do like the old Burger King logo. I feel like the yellow on the Lenny Pond car was a little bit lighter. Um, I'm close to saying joke, but because of the contingencies, I'm going to go woke. I'm going to have to go woke. Um, and Colton, that's actually not the old Burger King logo. That is a throwback to the Burger King logo from an insurance king. Uh, company, so I think well, it, but they made it yeah. look like the Burger King logo. Yeah, so I mean, hell yeah for for sponsors totally rebranding themselves to another brand. Uh, I think it's definitely woke. Next up is the Spire Motorsports bet uh, seventy seven, and that'll be Justin Haley throwing back to what looks like Robert Presley's Jasper number seventy seven that he drove for Team Penske. I'll go woke on this one. I wasn't really sure that I'd ever seen a scheme prior to this other than old races, but having just now seen it, I think that the attempt was woke, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan of how it actually came out compared to the video. Um, I'm woke just because I, I kinda grew up around this era of the Robert Christie car. I remember this one racing when I was a little kid. Um woke for the effort, but also joke for the effort on the sponsor part. Um so I'm on the fence about this one. I love this paint scheme, so I'm just going to have to go woke. Next up is the Live Fast Motorsports number 78, and BJ McCloyd will be throwing back to 1963 when Joe Weatherly took the win here at Darlington. I'm, I'm going to go joke on this one. It's not necessarily the designer's fault. It's just the fact that the original Weatherly car had no sponsor logo back there, and the McLeod car does. I think that they could have moved that around to a place that it would have resembled the weather car a little bit better. But it's it's not really that big of a joke. Like, it's the tiniest joke you can ever think of. This paint scheme was executed almost perfectly. Um, I really like how they put the, the new-gen car with the retro photo on their Twitter. Um, I'm going to go joke because Corvette Parts is still sponsoring a Ford. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that they made the 78's font correct and it's relatively simple uh, Corvette parts never um, disappoints when it comes to throwbacks and they even did the uh, Scooby-Doo paint scheme prior as well uh, so I'm just going to I'm just gonna have to say woke for CorvetteParts.net uh, next up is the Jeffrey Earnhardt's JD Motorsports number 0 we have moved on to the Xfinity series and this, of course, is throwing back to Dale Earnhardt's Olympics car. What do you got? Woke. That's all. It's woke. No comment. It's amazing. Woke. This is the best paint scheme of the weekend. The stars could have been a little better, but the font is perfect. Um, the silver on the number is absolutely perfect. The colors on the car are perfect. Um, I've got a 164th and a 124th scale of this three car sitting in my house. Um, this one is woke. 100% the best car we are going to see on track at Darlington all weekend. Yeah, and I'll just follow up Colton with this is woke. This is a classic paint scheme, and they executed it perfectly. 
Next up is the number one from JR Motorsports. It's the Gatorade Chevrolet throwing back to the 1979 Daryl Walter ride. Oh my gosh. Where do I even begin? This is without a doubt my favorite throwback of the week. So you already know it's woke. This is woke. Excellent execution by JRM. They are nailing the throwbacks. Woke. Yeah, I'm going to agree and say woke. The only thing that I have to say is I really wish that Gatorade logo was a little bit older. They chose the 90s branding rather than the 70s branding. So that's the only thing I think that could go uh, more like the original. But that is a badass scheme. Next up's the number two RCR Myatt Snyder car sponsored by Tax Slayer throwing back to Jimmy Llewellyn and his Grand National Series car, which seems to be around a 34 to 38 Ford Coupe. It's woke to me. I didn't realize how close the scheme was to the original one until I looked at the picture just now, so why not? Yeah, this one's woke. Throwing it back to your family legacy and nailing the paint scheme, 100% woke. Woke, I just wish the uh, lightning bolts were a little bit more aggressive, but all in all, it's a great paint scheme. I could see this racing every week, not just on throwback week. Next up is the number seven good humor ice cream Chevrolet throwing it back to the Tasmanian devil good wrench car ran by Dale Earnhardt senior. Honestly, I think every JRM car should just automatically go in the woke category. So I don't even, I don't even feel the need to comment on this one. It's amazing. Yeah, this one's woke. The font is perfect. This is another car that I have, both a 164 and a 124 than home. Um, this is amazing. I'm probably going to have to pick one of these up. Woke. Oh, most definitely woke. And I just want to commemorate whoever the graphic designer is at JRM because, oh my lord, they did something that brought back memories from my childhood. And if you go to their press release on Twitter where they have this scheme and you look at the bottom right-hand corner where it's got the race on 5-8 at 1 p.m. EST, and you look a little bit to the left, they have the NASCAR 2000 logo with NASCAR 2001 with the new NASCAR logo with the same font that they used during 2000 for the 2021, and that sticker alone makes this whole scheme one of the best, if not the best, in the Xfinity series. Whoa, I didn't even whoa, notice whoa. that, but that's badass right there. Yes, that is just a throwback to my childhood right there. Next up is the Joe Graff Jr. Green Light Racing Chevrolet, and they are throwing back to the Back to the Future DeLorean. It's a cool idea, but it's a joke. It's nothing to do with racing. Yeah, joke. This is supposed to be NASCAR throwbacks, not Marty McFly, Doc Brown throwbacks. I'm going to have to say this is woke, man. This is... Something that they pulled just out of nowhere, out of the box throwback, you know, a hundred points into the um, throwing it at the wall and seeing if it sticks bucket because you guys, you did, and I think it sticks. What What is more classic than the DeLorean? I don't know. It has nothing to do with racing, but it makes my heart happy, so I'll say woke. Next up is another JRM, and that's the another number eight throwback to win. Dale Jr. ran the MLB All-Star car, and that'll be driven by Josh Berry this weekend. 
Yeah, it's absolutely woke. I just wish that Teresa would let them use the real font. Yeah, outside of the real font, that's the only thing I could think that would make this scheme any more perfect. This one is 100% woke. I will third your guys' motion. It is woke. Um, and Teresa is a joke. Next up is the college racing number 10 driven by Jeb Burton throwing back to his dad, Ward, where he took his first victory in the 1995 season and the NBA America number 22. It's a wall paint scheme for me. It's throwing back his family legacy in it. This one's a joke because they didn't change the damn roof number. If they would have done that, it would have been Oh, awesome. my gosh. I'm a huge Yeah, now that I noticed it, kid. it's coming. Yeah, once you notice it, you can't stop looking at it. It is a joke. Uh, for me, I'm going to have to say it's a joke as well. Not only is the number not the same, but the green is the Nutrien Ag green and not the NBNA green. And I have a problem when sponsors don't alter their colors, even if it's just something simple as a gradient. Next up is College Racing... Uh, throwing back to the Go Fast Racing Cup Series where Lee Filter was on the car for the first time in 2014. It's a it's a, it's a a good scheme, but it's a throwback to 2014, so how can I need a joke? I'm going to do joke. If you would have, or if you wouldn't have told me this was a throwback car, I wouldn't have even noticed it was a throwback car. Um, complete joke by College Racing's part. This 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 car um, races every week as far as, my, I, as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I'm going to have to say a joke as well. Uh, next is the MB&M Toyota. It's the number 13 liftkitsforless.com Toyota Supra, and they are throwing back to the 1991 Blidden Mike Skinner ride. That's woke for me just because I think that I've never really seen the paint scheme in general up until now, and... It looks like pretty solid execution to me. Yeah, this one's woke. They nailed the colors, nailed the font, um, nailed the the entire gradient of the car. Um, this one's woke. Absolutely woke. I love obscure paint schemes. This is one of those. And hands down, if they actually do this at the racetrack where they have the red rims on the front and the blue rims on the rear, this is just the the absolute best effort in a throwback weekend ever if they throw up to the track with those two different rim colors on the two different axles. Next up, we'll have JD Motorsports again, and this is throwing back to Rodney Howard, who is Colby Howard's father, and he drove this scheme in late models at Greenville Pickens. Uh, it's definitely woke for me. Looks cool. Execution's nice. This one's a joke. I've said it the entire podcast. I hate when you throw it back to a car that no one knows what the hell it is. Um, you know, you probably couldn't find 3,000 people in the entire world that remember this car. Um, this one's a joke. Great execution, though. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree and say this is woke. I just said I love obscure cars. I, I would have never known about that 13 car we just talked about. Of course, I would never know some random guy that ran late models in the 80s but it's a perfect execution. The only thing is, how are you going to throw back to your dad and it's Mother's Day weekend? That's a good point. Next up is that Dinger, and he'll be driving the High Priest car that throws back to the Scots car that he won in uh, in 
2014 at Watkins Glen? Um, execution's good. I'll just still put it as a joke because I think that it's too soon to throw back to that. I'm going to go woke. Um, I'm not a huge fan of drivers throwing back to themselves. Again, I think it's like race, wearing your own racing t-shirt to the track. However, Dinger is up there in age. Um, this was, I think this was his only career win in the Cup Series, wasn't it? Or did he get two? If it was his only career win, it makes sense. It looks good. Um, I really like the font on it and the the seafoam numbers on it. I'm going to go with Woke on this one, again, mostly because he's up there in age. Yeah, no, I'm going to have to go joke, man. It just seemed like the college cars just kind of fell short this this year. Next up is going to be Daniel Hemrick, and this is a Red Farmer throwback paint scheme. I'm going to go joke, number font. Yeah, joke, the swoops don't even match. How are you going to do that? Well, it might have been poor execution, but I'm going to go woke because Red Farmer is a racing legend, and, you know, he just did get uh, hit by that tornado, so it's really cool of them to put him as the forefront of their race team for this throwback weekend. Uh, next up is the number 20 Dex Imaging car from Harrison Burton, who is yet another person throwing back to their father. Uh, this is the Bush Series car that Jeff Burton ran for Holiday Inn, and it's Mother's Day. It's a joke. That's all I need to say. This is a joke. Dex, why do you have to be like Sport Clips and not change your colors for one week of the year? Um, if you didn't see the picture of the car they were thrown back to and know what they were thrown back to, you wouldn't even know this is a throwback scheme. you just think this is a new scheme they're coming out with. Joke. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Joke. I mean, at least you guys changed your font a little bit, but it doesn't even match the Holiday Inn font. I don't know if there's licensing with that going on, but it's just poor execution. Um, next up is the Sam Hunt Racing throwback to the Hot Wheels car that Kyle Petty used to run in 1990s. It's woke. I don't need to say anything else. Woke. This is a great scheme when it came out. Great scheme right now. This... This scheme, despite if you were a NASCAR fan or not, if you were a kid in the 90s, you had it because they sold this in a bunch of different Hot Wheels set. So even if you've not watched a NASCAR, if you're flipping through the channels and you see this car on track, you're going to know what it is. You're going to remember it from your childhood. Absolutely woke. You couldn't have done anything wrong with it. Next up is the number 36 of Alex LeBay throwing back to Kenny Wallace's number 8. Red dog scheme. I'll go woke. I don't know how to evaluate this paint scheme because I'm usually not. I've never been a huge fan of it in the first place. I'm going to go woke. I feel like the execution was really good on it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the car itself, but woke for the attempt. Woke, this is one of those schemes that I remember um, in my dad's diecast collection, always loving, and it's going to be back on track for me to see and in real life now, so that's really cool. Uh, next up is Tommy Joe Martins, and they're throwing back to the number 45 Rich Bickle 1999 car, uh, sponsored by Lucky Dog 1010345. That's definitely woke. Yeah, this one's woke. I really like the color on it. This is one of those obscure cars that just stands out because you've never seen it, but it looks almost the exact same, so absolutely woke. Next up, we have the Mike Harmon Racing driven by Kyle Weatherman scheme tributing 
Richard Petty. I think, first of all, it's woke because I love STP colors. And second of all, I don't think the world's going to be able to handle Mike Harmon wearing pit diapers. Um, this one's a joke. Mike Harmon, if you disagree, meet me at the Applebee's. <laughs> yeah, this one's kind of a joke to me, not because of the colors or the font or anything. They got all that right. It's just the the hood is so busy, it, it negates the simplicity of any STP scheme that, that the King ran. Um, next up is the number 48, Hot Wheels throwback to Dan Gurney. That's definitely woke for me. Dan Gurney's one of my uh, all-time favorite drivers in anything. So the fact that he's getting some recognition with a well-executed paint scheme is only a win for me. This one is woke. You talk about a car that looks old right here. Excellent execution on their part. This car is woke. Yeah, I'm going to have to say woke, too. Those... Um... Those white rims are really doing it for me. I just know they're not going to be that white after the race because we tend to break a lot at Darlington. So I I really like this car. It's definitely diecast worthy. Next up is throwback to the 2006 UPS livery from Dale Jarrett, and that is on Jeremy Clement's car. Let's see. There's many Dale Jarrett cars in the field this year. I'm definitely going to have to go woke just because the I've always liked the UPS paint schemes. Yeah, I'm going to go woke. Um, I really like a Dale Jarrett paint scheme now and then. Um, I really like most of the UPS schemes. I'm going to go woke. Yeah, I'm going to have to go woke too. The scheme is almost one-to-one with the 2006 scheme. I love that the sponsor uh, put their logo in both of the different UPS fonts. Uh, So it was really cool to see all that. And then the number itself kind of feels like what a Robert Yates Racing 51 would have looked like. So I think it's an all-around great scheme. Next up, we've got the Joe Gibbs Racing number 54, and this is Ty Gibbs throwing back to the 1992 Dale Jarrett scheme uh, that won the Daytona 500. A joke, number font, and the fact that it's been done many times. Joke, why do we have to have this paint scheme every single year along with that Alan Kowicki Hooters car? Yeah, joke. I'm just going to piggyback what both of these guys said. I mean, they didn't change the number font, and we see this scheme over and over and over. It was really cool the first time. Uh, next up is the NBN Motorsports Waterburger throwback. Uh, I don't think they're actually throwing back to anyone. Maybe the font is based off of Richie Evans um, modified and – the number itself, but other than that, it's 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 just um, a Whataburger throwback. Um, I love orange cars, and I like the Richie Evans idea, but I'm gonna have to go joke on the execution. Yeah, I'm also gonna go with a joke on this one. Yeah, and there'll be three jokes. I mean, I like the number font, but I mean, it's the exact same Whataburger card that's always ran. So, I mean, what, what's different other than the number? Uh, really lazy execution. Uh, next up is the number 66 liftkitsforless.com throwback to uh, Rusty Wallace. And at first glance, I thought it was a Stephen Wallace throwback, but it looks like it's actually not. Um, I'll go woke on this one just because the fact that it's got the same number in the paint schemes well executed. But other than that, I don't really feel any particular way. 
Yeah, I'm going to go woke just because it does look like, and the Stephen Wallace car was an original throwback to Rusty. Um, so that's kind of what I'm comparing it to. It does really look like that original car. It's got the right number. Um, the sponsor's in the right place with the right font. I really like it. It's woke. Yeah, this is, for me, woke as well. If you look at the Duraflame logo on the Rusty Wallace car, you can see that the flame is is kind of up there, and it's red, and, and Lift Kits for Less put their shield uh, on there as well in the same sort of spot. So this sponsor went all out. Uh, I'm going to say that's really woke. Uh, next up, we have another Dale Jarrett paint scheme, and this one is uh, UPS from 2002. It's woke. It's a Dale Jarrett paint scheme. It's a UPS paint scheme. Always looks good. It's woke. It was it was pretty good execution on their part. Um, again, I'm a I'm a really big fan of all the UPS schemes. Yeah, I'm going to have to third that woke. I think this one is a little bit better than the 51 just because I guess I have more memories of this car uh, rather than the, the latter car from 2006. Uh, next up is the uh, DGM Racing number 90 who would be throwing back to Ken Schrader's 1985 car. Yep, that's definitely woke. 100% woke. Great execution on this. Man, it looks almost exactly similar to the original. I'm going to have to say Woke as well. Uh, great execution. Uh, looks just like the original, like Colton said. And then they have the Kenny Schrader logo on the rear quarter panels. That is awesome. Kenny Schrader's K Schrader logo has always been something that's really cool uh, to me to look at at all my old die casts and stuff. So I really appreciate them, that, including that on the uh, back of the car. Uh, next up is the number 92 Josh Williams paint scheme, and he's throwing back to Rusty Cruz. Uh, I, I'm not sure who that is. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. Um, I'm going to go joke, because if you don't know what the car is, there's no sense in throwing back to it. Um, it's great execution. I like the odd look of it, but it's a joke. Yeah, I'm gonna have to say joke. I don't. I don't even like the look of it. It looks like a mess. And I know that I know guys like Tony Stewart and Clint Boyer have let their helmets rust and painted it over there. But this just, it's just gross to look at. So I hope it doesn't get much TV time. Uh, sorry if that offended anyone. Uh, next up is uh, what their press release says. Let's party like it's 1999. Riley Herps is gonna throw it back to Tony Stewart's rookie year paint scheme in the Cup Series. Woke. Absolutely woke. Woke. This car looks sexy. Woke as well. Um, Tony Stewart was probably always my second favorite driver uh, growing up. I watched him in the IRL series, and when he migrated to NASCAR, it just made the best of both worlds. And another bonus is his number in the IRL was 98, so for this car to have the 98 on it is kind of a nod to that. So it's just an all-around really, really woke scheme. And it looks like finally for the Xfinity Series, we have the Darlington throwback uh, from Ryan Ellis Racing throwing back to uh, some dirt car uh, from the 1950s, and that is his grandfather Vix Ellis's car. I'm not sure if this is a midget or a sprint car or what. Uh, I'm gonna go joke just because it, uh, it's the first photo is black and white. I can't even tell if it was a real thing. 
Yeah, joke. I've been on it all night. If you can't, if no one knows what the car is that you're throwing back to, you shouldn't do a throwback. I'm going to say joke. This is another one that's throwing back to a father figure on Mother's Day weekend. Uh, so let's move along. we got the last series uh, next. They're all bangers to the end. The truck and, series. Uh, this is the truck series. And just they like all win. said. Um, I don't even know if I need to talk to these. Like, literally, <laughs> I can name you one throwback in the trucks that's not that good, and then the rest are bangers. That's, I could have saved you a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I can agree they with win. that. The truck series showed up and showed out. This is, of course, their first time throwing back. Uh, so like, I guess that's. Do we just go through the schemes out. and appreciate them? I, I guess so. Uh, let, let us know the one that you don't I'm, like, Nathan. I just don't like the, the Chandler Smith one because it was literally a throwback to a delivery van and it was from last year. Other than that, yeah. I think every yeah. single truck series paint scheme is good. So if you guys are listening, go out there, scroll through them all. They are amazing. There's one bad paint scheme and that's it. They all just. They just knocked it out of the park. All right. Well, I guess I'll yeah. I'll go down them, and since we all think they're all woke, let's say something about them. Uh, Haley Deegan's uh, ride uh, is based off of the Ford GT uh, win at the 1996 Continental 24 Hour at Daytona, and this is a this is a really badass car, and it and the scheme is even more badass than it looked on that Ford GT, in my opinion. Amazing. The end. Next. Another amazing scene. Another amazing scene. Another amazing scene. I, I, yeah, I'm with Nate. Just keep rolling down the line. They all look sexy. Let's just keep rolling, yeah. Sheldon yeah, Jason GMS number two, mm-hmm. throwing back to Jason Leffler's 2002's truck. This it one's is perfect. Oh, my God, yes. It looks the exact same as that Dodge Ram did back then. I remember having the, the uh, die cast. It. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Next up, Chris Wright is throwing back to the Ron Hornaday number six truck when he was riding the Good Wrench uh, colors that his boss for Kevin Harvick Incorporated was running in the Cup Series. And it's the O2. It's in the same font. This is beautiful. Just wins after wins after wins. Yeah. I, I, I will say I attribute this scheme more to Kevin Harvick than I do Hornaday. Either way, it's still a fucking banger. Yeah. And then um, – the number three Jordan Anderson racing car is honoring uh, Larry Mack and Mark Martin with this uh, Rusty's off-road paint scheme. It looks exactly like the car that it is throwing back to, and it's on a truck. It's crazy. It's awesome. I'm scrolling Banger. through these, and it's like it's unfair how good the truck series has been this year. The 04 Bobby Hamilton truck is going to be thrown back to by – Corey Roper, and it looks as good as it can. And Still we, a banger. Yeah. And we move on to the Spencer Davis Toyota that's throwing back to Daryl Waltrip, and it looks just the same. Um, Austin Hills number 16 is the only one I'm going to disagree with you guys on. This one is one that I don't think looks like the car it's throwing back to. It's throwing back to Mike Stefanik, who we all love, but they did not change the number five. Yeah, I yeah. see where you're at there. The graphics look the same. The number doesn't. If I have to say woke or joke, I'm going to say joke on this one. Yeah, this one is the only joke out of the ones that haven't been run before. Um, next up is the throwback to the Daytona 500 victory for Mark, uh, for Michael Waltrip, and it's sponsored by Napa, and it's run by Derek Krause, who's, I mean, beautiful. There's nothing else to say about that scheme. 
Uh, next up, we have Spencer Board throwing back to the the Conway Auto Parts number sixty, uh, and it looks almost identical. Uh, and banger after banger after banger. Uh, the next one is a really interesting. The Davy Allison number twenty three, nineteen eighty one. I guess this is a late model, uh, but these two look the exact same. What do you guys think? I love it. I just wish they had the black stripe down the hood. Yeah, I think they couldn't have put the sponsor there and, and, and mm-hmm. kept that black stripe, so I, I, I'm fine with what they did, but it looks awesome. Uh, next up is a throwback to Bobby Hamilton. This is the scheme that he won his uh, cautionless race at Talladega in, and it's beautiful. This one's perfect. I love it. Oh, yeah. And then, Colton, I will let you introduce your favorite scheme. Oh, man. Tyler Ankrum in the number 26 is going to throw it back to one of the greatest NASCAR movies of all time. The Ricky Bobby, number 26, Wonderbread car. This thing is fantastic. Yeah, and uh, Leona branding is changed on the hood, so it looks like the Wonder bread branding and oh my god it is such a classic scheme it's not even a real driver i really 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 am disappointed though because gms could have ran a cal not junior uh throwback as well and we could have seen some shaking bacon that's the only thing that i'm disappointed in this thing is an absolute banger next up is the country time lemonade throwback from the 30 on point motorsports car Right, I agree. It's a great paint scheme. I just wish that the wheels were yellow like the original. Next up, I think this is one of the best paint schemes to ever run on a throwback weekend because it's so obscure. Like I've said earlier, it's obscurity makes me happy with these paint schemes. Kinji Momota from the 1995, uh, I guess he ran this in the Craftman Truck Series. This is a Japanese racer uh, and and it's just, it's perfect. It's a almost one-to-one match other than the uh, the number font. But it's so obscure, it's perfect. Moving on, we'll go to Todd Gilliland's throwback. And it's going to be throwing back to Charles Powell III, who won a late model stock title um, back in the day. And I know, Colton, you said you don't like obscure uh, race car drivers that no one knows. But this is a badass scheme. The scheme looks good. I'll give it a pass. Next up is the Nice Motorsports number 40. Ryan Truex is throwing back to the number 40 Marquise Hot Tubs card to sponsor the number and the paint scheme all aligned. The only thing missing is the blue chrome wheels. I guess moving on, we've got the Johnny Benson throwback for Carson Hosovar, and I think this one's beautiful. Yeah. yeah this is a great scheme. Fun fact, Carson Hosovar is from Colorado National Speedway. That's his home track. I used to watch him race in the trucks. Really? That's cool. Yep. So I'm always a little bit of a fan of his. And then the final one that we're going to go over today, uh, the most woke paint scheme of them all. This paint scheme is a throwback that brought the freaking driver back. Eric Darnell is back in the truck series, guys. The same font, the same sponsor, the same driver. Does it get any better than this? Yeah. You want, you want to talk about the ultimate throwback. I don't know of any teams that would put Ken Schrader back in a car. But these guys are going to throw Eric Darnell back in a truck. I love it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, this was such a classic paint scheme for me because I remember racing against Eric Darnell in the early uh, 
NASCAR EA games, and man, oh, this makes me so happy. And it was a total surprise because no one knew it was coming, and all of a sudden the 45 Nice truck is being driven by Eric Darnell. Oh, this is so great. Uh, so that that really wraps it up. We went through a lot of schemes, and like I said earlier, it's, it feels like they went more all out this year. There was some some that I listed earlier that we didn't go over, some that have been uh, released since uh, – prior to, or I should say after us recording. So that's it. But uh, I guess to wrap this thing up, guys, we got to talk about the weekend's uh, racing at Darlington. So let's go ahead and start with that. All right. Well, with that being said, if there's a race, there's picks. And it looks like Alex is starting to catch up to me with nine to six. Colton's still at two points off. I'm still leading, but it's starting to kind of dissipate a little bit. So, Colton, looks like you got first pick. Who you got? Um, I'm gonna go with Happy Harvick this weekend. Okay, yeah, that's 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 a heavy hitter right there. So, uh, let's see who's next. Alex, you're next. Who do you think's gonna win? All right. So I don't particularly like picking my favorite drivers for races, um, but this seems to be the Denny Hamlin racetrack. He won here. Last year when we came back from the COVID break, he's always been good at Darlington. I'm going to have to go and say Denny Hamlin is going to end his slump this weekend and take the win. All right. Well, it looks like I'm going to go Martin Truex Jr. then. I think that out of the 750 tracks this year, he's been one of the two or three standout drivers. When it comes to Darlington, Truex has been one of the better wrestlers, so why not take him? And really, with that being said... Now we kind of have to move on to the next gen because that happened today. If you guys heard, it was kind of a big deal. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, and currently they're racing uh, in iRacing for the Pro Invitational Series while we're recording this. So uh, for myself, uh, Nathan, I, I'd say that uh, I was. it kind of took me a minute to get used to everything, right? So when they first unveiled, I was kind of disappointed with the lack of changes from everything. Everything in the front looked the exact same to the cars nowadays to me but then they started rotating around the back and and man these cars especially that camaro zero one they got nice asses and i'm an ass man especially when it comes to cars so i mean this 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 new car is going to make me happy just because there's symmetry and there's curvature in the back and that's going to make it make it hard to drive and then later on in the day after the unveil, there were paint schemes popping up for this iRacing race that's happening tonight. And I got to say, those center door numbers and those paint schemes on these next-gen cars make these cars look extremely badass. Yeah, that being said, I will agree a lot with you. I think that those posts just prove that the numbers don't have So I agree in that regard, but... I do agree with you that the paint scheme or the, the, the noses haven't been changed too much. And that reason is why the Ford is probably my favorite of the three because it looks so different. It looks, it looks like it was made years in advance. It just looks so good with this style, this new style of car. Yeah, I'm going to go more past the aesthetics of the car. It looks great. It's symmetrical, which is going to take a lot of that size. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm more a fan of a couple things here. The sequential transmission, I think, is going to be a huge game changer for NASCAR. Yeah. Um, you won't get those slipping transmissions hardly at all. Um, 
and this is something that I wish they would have done 10 years ago when they started coming out with the slapsticks in the cars. It's going to be great. Um, and then the independent rear suspension. Again, this is another thing that's been a long time coming in NASCAR. I'm a huge fan of this. Um, if you guys don't know what independent rear suspension is or what it is without going into super depth, um, it's basically each rear end axle will travel on its own instead of being a solid axle. Um, Donut Media actually has a great video explaining all of this in super layman's terms. Um, so I'm excited to see how this goes, and it's going to effectively reset every single track setup. I'm excited about that as well. And something you said with the with the shifter, uh, sequential shifting, um, it's a lot easier uh, in theory, but it's also kind of that more fun kind of Fast and Furious style shifting. So I think that's pretty cool. And having five gears instead of the four, I'm hoping that NASCAR – uh, opens up the gearboxes to to change limits and stuff like that, so we don't have a mandated gearbox each weekend, and we can see shifting on some of these slower tracks, like like Phoenix, like uh, New Hampshire, and like Pocono. I think that would bring a whole new game into driving these things. Something that I saw that I was kind of disappointed in, though, is that they're going to be reducing the horsepower from 750 tracks to uh, 670 horsepower. So maybe the car being a little bit lighter and uh, the tires being wider will help with that. But I, I just I feel like we're adding more grip and taking away more power, which is something that didn't work when we were running the 550 horsepower uh, uh, downforce package at the 750 tracks. Yeah, I'm just... I'm curious. I don't want to make too rash of a judgment as of now. So I'll just wait and see. We got a long way to go. So I guess check back with me in 2022 and you'll see my real thoughts on it. Yeah. My thing is, if you're going to make stock cars more stock, how the hell are you going to give them less power than I could buy a car off of the production floor with? Um, not a fan of that part of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, we've talked about how a lot of these series are going to – at least try and get their numbers around that 1,000 horsepower mark. Uh, Formula One's already there. Supercars and IndyCar trying to get there. You've got, you know, the whole debate about sprint cars and how they're pushing eight to 900 horsepower and they weigh as much as a feather. So this high horsepower and, and even in high downforce situation stuff leads for better racing. So maybe NASCAR will pull their head out of their ass when we get the new hybrid engine. Maybe they won't. Uh, but that's that's not not for us to see and, and until the future comes. So uh, these cars look absolutely amazing, and I'm and I'm kind of excited for them to get on track next year. Yeah, and with that being said, I think all of our thoughts are pretty well put when it came to this next year. And I'm surprised, you know, no one had any crazy minutes. We were all pretty nice. So that's a success for us. Uh, hopefully, we didn't offend any NASCAR members. If you guys are still listening. So, with that being said, it's time to end the show, so we'll bring it over to Colton for his shout-outs. Yeah. So, I have a shout-out and another giveaway this week. So, shout-out as per the tweet I sent out earlier, comments on the tweet every single week. For a chance to win a shout-out this week, it goes to Jacob and Trekkin um, at, at JacobRE1996 on Twitter. Jacob's a good buddy of mine. He was on the Chairgating podcast with me a couple times. Um, Jacob's a really cool dude. He wins the shout-out this week. And then the giveaway, I'm going to be giving away a Johnny Benson hitbox set from 1998 to one person who can quote me on Twitter with the word throwback. No one has won it the last two weeks. 
Um, so I'll be sure to post on Twitter. You know, pay attention for the code word. Code word is throwback. You tweet at me. You comment on a th- on a tweet that I post. Tweet at me. Either one for throwback. Uh, winner will be announced on Tuesday. Uh, I think that's yeah. Uh, all around great show, guys. Uh, I've always uh, love talking to you guys. Uh, tweet at uh, Fan Fuel Podcast. That's a capital F, capital F, capital P. And then the number one on the end, if you want to join in on the show, whether you want to join a recording session or you just have some comments for us to talk about. And we will love to interact with you over there on Twitter. Uh, as always, thanks for listening this far into the show. Shout out at Colton if you want that Johnny Benson uh, pit box car set. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks. Bye.